The views, information, and opinions expressed during the Aces Up the Sleeve podcast are solely those of the individual guests or hosts and do not necessarily represent those of Pocket Aces Racing LLC or Lilium Garland Media nor any other mentioned parties. Opinions expressed are not necessarily endorsed by the hosts, Pocket Aces Racing LLC or Lilium Garland Media. The Aces Up the Sleeve podcast is provided for private entertainment purposes only. Aces Up the Sleeve assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of the episode. While we do our due diligence to the best of our abilities, the information contained is provided with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. Any advice or opinions provided by or expressed by our guests are those of said guests and said guest alone. You know, all my life, I've believed in the concept of building solid relationships with, with vendors, with the people you work with one side or the other. And I think we have an opportunity here. We show trust in him. We get early. He'll believe in us as the one that gave him a real good chance. And uh, who knows? If it works out, we've got ourselves a very good trainer and got it early on. If it doesn't, we'll know. And we'll get out. But I'm I'm thrilled with that. And we need another trainer. And he maybe fits that in-between mold between uh, Brendan and everybody else that we're working with. So I started buying in. And back then, you guys were buying one, two horses a year. It was a little easy for me. Now you're buying seven or eight. So I, as I've gotten older, I thought, well, I can't buy into every single one. i got to pick and choose. You're making it difficult for me. So what I'm doing now is I'm trying to study and listening to Mark and you and picking the ones I think have the best chance and not buying into every one, but I am still doing it. Uh, Mark and I have kept statistics. I don't know if you've seen them. Uh, since January 1 of 2000, we backed it up all the way to then. I've won 245 races, almost <laughs> from your date, 2004, 2005, almost identical to your numbers, obviously, since I pretty much own all the same horses. Uh, it's a good rate. It's about 16% win rate. I'm very proud of that. I've had 1,400 races in that 23 years, so I've been able to enjoy horses racing over this period of time. It's been the love of my life. And um, I have learned a lot. Um, I've been to Kentucky a million times with Mark, following around, trying to understand what he sees in the horses, which I'll never figure out, by the way. <laughs> he tries to yeah. explain to me. I'm like, what the hell are you looking at? I, I don't, well, yeah, I don't I mean, know a thousand times he'd say, this is what I'm looking at. And I'd say, well, I don't see that. You know, <laughs> what do you mean that line? What do you mean that line? What do you mean that? To me, it looks like a big hip. You're telling me it's a little hip. And I yeah, just, uh... but I tried to learn and it was fun. I mean, a lot of fun. I spent many, many a, a sale following Mark around and bidding with him and picking out horses and all that. Can't do it much anymore. But So with Pocket Aces, it's been a, a, a wonderful partnership for me. 
it allows me to get in exactly how I want to, whether it's all of a horse, which I own some, like Opposite the Crowd, the Boltioro, whether it's part of the horse, 50%, which we've done you and me many times, or whether it's just 5 or 10%, and I'm in just to be able to enjoy the horse running around the track. It's taken me everywhere. We've raced everywhere. I mean, we've raced in Minnesota. <laughs> we've raced everywhere. And it's just a great, great experience. Uh, you guys have been good. You've got a good track record, an honest record. And I think Pocket Ace's future is much, much greater than it's even been, especially since you're now there full time, committed to it in a different way that frees Mark up to do more what he does best and mm -hmm. you to do more what you do best. I'm here to help any way I can. So I I'm, appreciate I've been in and out of the horse racing business for 50 years. I've been an owner in the thoroughbred industry off and on for a long time. I've had my own stable, as I described, at Delaware Park um, 20, 25 years ago. Uh, I Michael Dickinson trained for me. I had a few. Do you want to hear the Tappet story? Absolutely. I think that's a great story. Uh, and it's true, folks. <laughs> uh, it's a great story, but it's, it's, it's a little bit heartbreaking, too. I'm not even going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> Michael Dickinson at the time was one of the world's famous trainers. As you all know, the Haas, the Haas, the Haas. And he owned a farm here in Northeast Maryland, about 15 minutes from where my farm is. Uh, my farm's called Somewhere Stables. So because not only is he a great trainer, but I'm so close, I could go see him. He's got all these training tracks. He had three turf tracks and up a hill and down a hill. And, and Michael would talk and tell me everything. So we became friends. And he trained several horses for me in the, 2000, 2010, on my own. And one day he came to me with a, a package that his partner, can't remember the guy's name, a big wheel who put packages together. Anyway, they were going to take the top four horses of all the yearlings and put them in a package for four of us in the world. And we had invested 200,000 each, five of us, I'm sorry, the million dollars. 200,000 each, five people. We didn't know who anybody was. I agreed to do it. Everybody, they, they sold out in a couple of days. And here we are. We had five team, uh, 200,000 each, and four horses came to Michael Dickinson, yearlings that they had bought. Michael was complaining that they came in bad shape, that they weren't taken care of between the time of the sale and the time they got to him. And he would have to kind of start all over again, getting them trained and acclimated to, to, to racing. Nevertheless, they all won early in their life. They all won first or second time out. They all won an allowance. And we thought all of them were stakes quality. But then they started getting hurt. And before you know it, we're down to like one racing. I got a phone call one day from a guy in Texas, Dallas, Texas. He introduced himself as one of the five partners. He found out who the other four were and called us. He said, I've got bad news for you. He said, what I have found out is the initial package of four included a horse that they liked a lot, and they decided at the last minute to not put that horse in the group of four and switched them with another one. That horse's name is Tappet. 
<laughs> I was the 20% owner of Tappet for a second. And then they, they, another way not to trust the industry, they knew that this horse was better than the others and they pulled him out, uh, which I, I dropped Michael fast. I said, I'll never have you trained for me again. I'm going to tell the story to everybody I see. Shame on you, Michael. You knew the guy was putting it together. You could have told me. And I was heartbroken. I mean, Absolutely. I said, what he said, I said, what are you going to do? He said, well, I'd like to sue him, but we can't. We can't prove anything. He told me the details of how he found out. He left me his number and name if I ever came up with any ideas. He said, but that's it. We'll just, we'll just all know it and we'll hate it. And every time we see the name Tappet, we'll cringe. And, of course, I've been cringing for 20 years now because I could have been a part owner of Tappet as he raced, as his second career was far greater than his first as a stallion. So that's what can happen in this industry, folks. When you don't know the industry um, and people are buying for you, what's to keep them from switching horses? You'll never know. They can tell you that they see one in a sale they like a lot, ask you if you're willing to pay a certain amount of money, and you say, yeah, and then they switch the horses on you. So it's just an industry that you have to be very careful, and that's why it's important in the syndicate world to go with people you can trust. More important than anything, people you can trust, and that's Jared, and that's Mark. You can trust them completely, and they work with people you can trust, Joe Seitz. Uh, who has all my broodmares. I have a, I fell in love with the breeding business and I have about five or six broodmares. Uh, I breed to sell the babies. I mean, we've been doing pretty good. We had a really good year last year. That's a really good luck with uh, a horse many of you might be familiar with, with Wisteria. I sometimes, when we buy a horse that can't race, I sometimes will buy that horse out and try to breed and recoup my money that way. It's never worked. But Wisteria had a really good page. And she had a neurological problem, right? Wasn't it every time she ran, she had more pain? Uh, so we couldn't. Yeah, that, that, that was uh, that was why not forgive that had the neurological issues. Uh, yeah. Wisteria kept having tendon, and just every time she'd get going, her tendons would flare up. And we just couldn't yeah. get her uh, right. And Brendan said she just didn't have a whole lot of didn't feel like she had much talent. So and and we paid two hundred thousand. I paid a hundred. Yeah. Pocket Aces paid a hundred. She had from tail to cat at a really good page. So I decided I'm going to try to recoup my investment and bought out partners. And Bredder, first time out to connect. I don't know why we just picked connect. And what really shocked us is she went to Chad Brown. And it's the first time I ever sold a horse that went to a trainer like that. And that's good news. And damn if she didn't win a two-year-old stake race second time out uh, at Belmont last year. So when Wisteria produces the stake winner at two, her first baby, uh, the second baby was Factor. We kind of bred down because we didn't know. The third baby is on the ground. Is the next go. It was really a nice baby. So we're looking forward to in the sale to do well with that and then next year we're really excited we're gonna we're gonna breed her to golden pal uh which is to me a, a really see everybody wants to breed the wisteria now 
um, all the farms are looking for good mayors. I've always been one trying to get in. Now we have a mayor that everybody wants to breed to. We got people calling us. So we're going to breed the best pal um, next year. And the ba- the two-year-old that won uh, is injured. She's coming back. We don't know when. So hopefully that'll be soon. And it's a shame she missed her three-year-old season. Her name is Implicated. I have enjoyed the breeding every bit as much as the racing. The breeding has a lot of upside potential. Like Wisteria, worth nothing today. I decided to breed her. And now maybe worth a couple hundred grand because she's the babies that are producing. So who you never know in this business. I've done so many of them. You know, I bred, let's see, 20 years, two or three, four, 80 horses maybe with with Mark and Joe Seitz at, at, at Foxborough, who are really good people. Um, we've had some really good trainers. And um, we, I've never had, I never bred a horse that won a stake race until implicated one last year. Um, I have stake placed, uh, go-go shoes and a couple others that I'm familiar with. But it's been a a great ride on the breeding side too. Um, And if, if I grow any of the two, it's probably that one. It's kind of switching up gears a little bit and you know, all kinds of discussions. Uh, actually, I'm going to ask this question first. You're king for a day in racing, North American racing. You can change anything about North American racing. What do you think it would be? The first thing I would do is I would create a uh, association, an organization um, like you see in all the other professional sports uh, with a czar, um, where we would all report to, we'd be a part of it. Uh, we'd be a big part of all the decisions, but uh, therefore all the drug policies would be the same and be corrected throughout the country. I mean, what's disgusting about our business is we can't even police ourselves with that. To me, it's like the uh, the NRA that ninety percent of us don't want all these guns that are being sold, but yet, but yet that small percentage keeps getting it done. That's the first thing I would do. I would create that environment uh, because if we're managing ourselves state by state, we're never going to agree. And it's always going to be a problem. Uh, it's not just the, the drugs. It's every other thing in, in terms of policing the industry for, for people who cheat the system, recognition rewards for, for those in the, system i think it could be probably the greatest thing that ever happened to the industry if we could get our minds together to put that together okay that's the first thing i would do all right um another thing that the topic that i've been seeing a lot more about recently and and, you know different uh you know uh, um, opinion op-eds that sort of thing discussions on twitter facebook you know, super trainers, and now we've got these super ownership groups. You know, these these massive owners uh, that have tons and tons of money that are now coming together. Where before they were competing against each other to buy horses, and now they're coming together to buy horses. And they're and then you got super super trainers. You know, I mean, Steve Asmussen's got over twelve hundred starts or something like that already this year. Uh, you know, it's and you know more power to him, I guess. But uh, my goodness, that's just. 
it's putting a squeeze on smaller operations. Uh, you know, the the it's putting a squeeze on the you know the the pocket aces racings of the world. We, we couldn't. We, we went to the went to the horses racing age sale at Paisley Tipton this week, and we got eighty thousand dollars to spend, and we couldn't get anything done because the yeah. horses are selling for twice what they should have been selling for. Because you've yeah. got all these groups coming together, just spending crazy amounts of money, and and it's just. It's putting the squeeze on everybody, and you, and you end up with five horses and the Diana, and four of them trained by Chad Brown. When you do a syndicate where they're getting in for fractions, you can sell the horse for twice its value, five times its value, and that's what they're doing. Um, my my response to what you're saying, it hurts, no question, but it is the same in every industry. There's big guys in every industry, and there's little guys. What I've personally, my own feeling, what I've learned is there's two ways to address that. One, you can find a niche, run away from the big guys, try to do something they're not doing. The problem with that is if you hit it, if you nail it, if you come up with something, then the big guys are going to jump right into it in a bigger, better way than you could ever do it. I was in the staffing industry and a friend of mine down in New Orleans came up with the idea of staffing in the in the uh, legal business as a specialist and it worked and you know you had attorneys in there doing the, the staffing and they knew what they were doing and they could outperform but it wasn't long before all the big firms started their own divisions of legal so i discovered that there, the only way then is to go right at the big guys with two things jared an exceptional, an exceptional level of value, customer service, which is cheap, free, number one. And number two, uh, a price slightly below the big guys, something that the customer would perceive as fair, um, even if it hurts from a margin standpoint for a while. Um, good customers appreciate your right to earn a living, so I'm not too worried about the margin. But there's two things we can do, and only one of them works. In my life, in my work, I was in businesses that are very common, staffing business, garbage business, payroll service, um, restaurant business, real estate business, you name it. I was in businesses that many others were. And I went right at them. In the, in the garbage business, it was waste management, the largest in the world. They do everything. And they were dominating our state and our region. Um, but what I found out was that we could outperform them. I, I, I discovered that their that their um, customer service department, people who handled the phones, were in another state. They weren't even people that knew anything about the area. They didn't care. So we we jumped on that and uh, sold the idea of a small guy. Small guy gives you much better in lots of ways. Um, you got the numbers to prove it too, in terms of the statistics. Yeah, we don't have the, the the dollars, but that's the level of horse we're buying, and that can change. So I think the only way to really go at the big guy, the only way, because it's tough. Everything you said is absolutely true. Um, but the only way to do it is go right at them, offer better service than they do, uh, try to promote in a, in a in a in an honest way, um, do some very creative promotion. Um, like reviews and, and, and customer, like you're doing now, like your customers talking about the value that they 
perceive when they're working with you guys um, and just let the numbers show. And, and that's all you can do. I don't think, I don't think it's more difficult than it used to be. It's very dramatic. I mean, what's happening in the syndicate world is crazy. I mean, they're getting, they're getting money long before they buy any horses, you know, that, that. So it's changed a lot. It's very much like the, it's, it's so much like the stock market uh, industry. It's a lot of parallels to that. It's incredible what's going on. Trying to compete with that will drive you crazy. The more you look at it and say, we can't do that. We can't do this. We can't, we can't do all of that. But we can do what we're doing. Um, we need to do better marketing. We need to bring in more customers. There's no question. We deserve more customers. And there's a lot of world out there that know about you and, and Mark right now. But you, they will. With you there full time now, that will change. I know. Um, you know, money's always been the obstacle. When you don't have a lot of money to invest in the future, then you're limited to what you can do. And that has been your downfall. Um, not having enough money to invest in the future, in meaning marketing and sales and all those things. Um, but it's coming. You know, a horse like Temple City Terra helps a great deal. The whole world saw that. I'm Shedder on website, right? The whole world saw it. <laughs> uh, when she won that grade three, I must have got 100 texts from friends who I, I, I didn't even know were aware of. But horse people, good horse people, Joe Clancy and those guys all yeah. sent me wonderful text and they were watching so pocket aces is on the map there's no question uh whether it's one horse that does it for us and last year for sure or the whole picture of what you guys are doing so it's hard it's delirious how much is going on in the syndicate world it's going to go crazy it's going to be a problem it's going to people are going to be upset uh, there's a lot of things that are going to, going to happen that I guess get people in trouble. There's lots of ways that they can cheat the system. I worry about that, particularly in these fractional, that there's never a way to make earn, earn a profit uh, when you're buying fractional. You just can't possibly own enough to get you're enough money. The, the, the micro shares that Yeah. And you know, you know from your own work with the teaching people coming in that they need to be in it for the experience. But what happens is after that wonderful experience happens for a while, then you're in it because you also want to make money and you want to see wins and you read about other people winning grade ones and grade twos and grade threes and first horse they bought. And you wonder, why can't that be me? So it kind of changes after a while. I worry about what's going to happen, but the syndicate business is a good thing it's going to get a lot of people into the industry that ordinarily wouldn't been in um it's going to explode the industry but the world's now watching us and we're not doing a very good job of what they're seeing you know the deaths and their inability to, to talk about it and get out in front of it uh, the drugs uh the cheaters the bafferts of the world and all those things but uh, I'm with you on that. I, you got in early, you got in first inning and now everybody's in mm -hmm. and some of them have passed us in size and scope, but that's okay. And it's okay. We can't, we cannot compete 
with every one of them. All we can do is exactly what you're doing, only let's do it better, uh, promote it better. And I think, I think um, your future is far greater than the past. So I'm okay. I, I'd rather sure. have it grow and be significant as, as syndicate is right now than not have that. Because sure. I think it's got a lot of potential for the industry that we can. Didn't I hear you say um, that people are buying online shares online? Site unseen. Oh yeah, isn't that just just buy hop, hop on the site and buy whatever you want? Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's happening. I mean, I, I can't imagine, but I I see in this world it happening because you know that's the way the world is buying today it's it's incredible it's amazing yep um I could, maybe i could once I get used to the concept but boy it's an interesting thought to buy a horse sight unseen but then again i do that i just trust you and jared or you and, and mark i don't go looking at every horse you guys buy i used to but i don't, I don't anymore so anyway, that's how I feel about that. Okay. So I want to switch gears up here uh, real quick. Um, you recently wrote a book. Yes. I, I would love to hear a little bit about the book uh, and and let us know you know that uh, where people can can get that book because I think it would it uh, would be a fascinating read. And, and before I before we get into that, you, you talked about value added in, the, in your garbage company. You said something to us that said you know in one of our conversations you know twenty years ago when we were getting this going. That one of the things that you had all of your the drivers of your trucks do when they got out of the house or got out of the car, when they pulled up in front of the house, got out of their truck, they'd wave at the house just in case somebody was looking out the window. Yes. And then and they also you had a list they or they had a list in the truck of everybody's every customer's name. So just in right. case they were running out with the trash can or they were walking the dog or something coming in, they could say, oh, good morning, Mr. or Mrs. Smith, or whatever the case may be. Well, what's really amazing, Jared, is the idea didn't come from me. It never does. So here I am training seven or eight drivers. They walk into the room with their arms folded. They stand in the back of the room. They don't know me. They know that Alan Burkhardt was part owner, but they hadn't met me yet. And I say, we're going to do some brainstorming on service ideas and I described my my business thinking and my philosophy of service and and I thought we'll just start with brainstorming with you guys and of course their arms are folded and they're like you know who's this guy forget it I I know how to drive and I said well you know it's nothing to do with your skill this is not anything about your skill it's about life skills and I described what that what that means how people think and risk-taking and change makers and no limitations and and that sort of thing. So um, <laughs> we trying to think of the exact circumstances. I had probably half a dozen ideas that, that were good that I was going to throw out, but I wanted to come from them. So when you brainstorm and I'm, I'm, I know how to facilitate brainstorming in the first hour, the only thing you're going to get is ideas that everyone else comes up with. We used to do this in my other company. We pretend we're board of directors for Big Pen and business is shitty. And I throw out a pen to everybody and I say, we're going to brainstorm ideas. 
and they come up with things like, well, uh, make it different colors. And well, we've already done that different size and scope. Well, we've already done that. And, and then after that happens, it runs dry. But I've learned that after that, if you can get through that and move on, then the real ideas come, the ones that no one else thinks about because they don't take it that far. Because once you're dry, you're dry. But it's not. And I would throw out an idea and they'd laugh at it. Like I had when I make it edible. And they, they you can't. Well, why not? Why can't we make a pen edible? No, geez. And then they started doing crazy things. And so that's, so after about an hour of nothing, one guy in the back says, well, you know, I'm thinking, <laughs> this, is, this is a hardworking guy that gets up at three o'clock in the morning, right? And works his butt off for whatever hourly rate. He says, we, we're supposed to know the name of each house before we get there. So in case they're outside, we can say, hi, Mr. Burkhardt, how are you? And that's really good. But, you know, we wave to most people because they're too far away to, to, to talk to them. What about the people that look out the door in the window when the truck comes rambling up? He said, you know, I bet you, I don't know, 20% of the people look out the window and they make sure we pick up all the stuff, make sure we put the can back right, make sure we don't miss their house, whatever. Because, you know, the noise, they look at us. Why don't we wave? won't cost us anything. Why don't we wave to the front door every time with a smile and a wave? So everybody said, all right, well, we can do that. It's silly, but we'll do it. And the next day, they all did it. We got hundreds of phone calls from clients, hundreds of people that said, that's really neat. Because I do see you sometimes, and, and just it was a nice thing to do. Uh, it means you care. And so once those ideas started to come, others started to come. And before you know it, we had hundreds, and we were out servicing our competition in ways that they could sit in the room and not, and not do it because they did not, did not have the culture that we did. So that goes to my book. The book is titled Opposite the Crowd, which is a name that I've saved in the horse racing business. I just named this two-year-old Boltiero Philly. I wanted to write a book for a long time. I wanted to get all these thoughts out of my head and on paper. I'd done a lot of consulting in my life and a lot of free consulting in my life, and a lot of helping people, a lot of consulting in small businesses. I and my employees created a, a business philosophy, a way of thinking way back, and we honed it and we refined it over the years. And it's a way of thinking that's, quite frankly, unique and different to the average company and the average person. It basically is about how to live your life equal to who you are. I got very tired of being who I was, but wishing I was something else. I got very tired of that. And I started working on the idea, why can't I become who I am? Why can't I do that? <clears throat> and we started to work on it. We started to brainstorm it. And it was a challenging idea and it was challenging for the employees. And they liked the concept and the idea. And we, it was very empowering. The main thing we learned is people don't really know who they are. So we started teaching people to learn more about who they are. I mean, we spend more on all kinds of nutty things than we do on ourselves. We don't really know who we are. We spend 
thousands and thousands of dollars on tangible things that come and go, but yet we're the most important thing in our life, but we don't spend it. We can't even write our own resume, let alone uh, <laughs> build a philosophy about ourselves. But we did, and, and it worked, and crossed all boundaries, size and scope, didn't matter what the product or service was, and we tried it out on all of them. And I tried it out in the horse racing business and teaching Mark. The book is about a way of thinking, who we are, how to close the gap between who you are and who you'd like to be. We had a couple of ghostwriters that tried that didn't work out. I almost gave up on it when my son came up with the idea of doing podcasts. So we started doing podcasts two or three years ago. And we ended up doing one a month. We did a lot of them. Each one was a different segment of my life and my belief system. And then we strung them together to create an audio book, which has been on the market for a while. But it's a teaching program. It's like 13 hours. It's not a readable kind of thing. And then we wanted to work with Amazon and Kindle. So we, they require you to have a hard copy. So I got back to the original thinking. Somebody gave me the idea once. Why don't you just write a book to your family? Wouldn't it be nice someday your great grandkids who you'll never know and they'll never know you can pull a book off the shelf and learn about who you are and how you thought, and how you think and what you did. Can you pull a book off your shelf? I don't even know my great grandparents names, let alone how they thought and what their life was like. So I love the idea of a book on every one of my family's bookshelf that someday them and their children and their children could learn about who Alan Burkhardt was and where this money came from. Uh, and what our life was like. And so that's why I wrote it. And we wrote it to that idea. But it got pretty good. And then my son said, why don't we make it something that we could put on the market? And who knows? Maybe people will buy it. And that's what we did. So it's available on uh, every seller of books there is in the world. Uh, you can buy it on a Kindle. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it at Barnes & Noble. You can buy it anywhere. It's named opposite the crowd, and it's. Um, I think you'll find it interesting. I personally think it's the best material one would ever get, but it's very unique, and I think it's worth reading. It's 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 helpful, and it's good for children. It's good for raising children. It's good for kids. It's good for adults. It's good for senior citizens. It's good for anybody in the business world. It's good for leadership. It applies to anybody anywhere and it's applicable to all those different sources and so it came out last week on the market uh it's now available like i said and i uh, got my first order in i bought my first book it came in yesterday i'm very excited uh so it's available if anybody's interested uh i did not set the price the the seller sets the price <laughs> amazon set the price and just just for your, it's selling for twenty three dollars right now. If nobody buys it, it'll go down to you know ten cents. But um, we get three dollars and fifty cents out of that. Wow! I wrote the damn book and I get like ten percent. <laughs> but wow. they produce it. You know they produce it. They get it out there. You order today. It's in your box two days from now. And every Amazon facility has a part of their facility where they build the books, and they don't build them until the order comes mm -hmm. in. Really? It's crazy. That's interesting. So yeah. get, get an order for 10 books today, they make 10 books in the area closest to us. It's crazy. But that's why Amazon's been successful. Yeah. They figured things out. So that's 
the book. I'm very excited. It's kind of like my bucket list. You know, I did a movie. Now I wrote a book, which I always wanted to do. Now, if anybody asks me what to do, I just say, read the book. Call me. <laughs> to read the book and call me. I mean, seriously, read a chapter and call me. Each chapter is its own. Um, and it's me and Chris bantering back and forth. It's just, you know, we did it our own way. Cuss words were in there. I had screwed, blue and tattooed. And they said, you can't say that. And I said, well, I do all the time. So I'm not going to change it. And they studied it and found out that it's an okay term, that it was used in the 18th <laughs> century somewhere, somehow. So we had to pay a New York editor, um, Arthur, author, editor, lawyer, $900 an hour to review every word to come up with any difficult issues that that the world might find where maybe I slandered somebody or I said this or said that. And she found nothing. She said, you're okay. You should be fine because most of the people that you slandered are dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I tried to... I tried not to, I don't know, you'll read it someday and you'll you'll see it. I tried not to um, be too mean to anybody. Uh, this is, I tried to say some nice nice things about most people, but but I didn't bring up names, really. A lot of people were in the book. You guys are in the book, but no names. Um, All right, real, so, okay, excellent. So it's kind of neat. It's kind of neat. And it's like I say, it's out, but I guess Monday of this week is the first time it was available. So it's good timing to talk about yeah. it. So anybody wants it, there it is. It's really what Mark and I and you have been trying to do um, to bring a culture to life that's all about value to everybody that we work with, whether, whether it's a vendor or whether it's a client, uh, customer client, their customers. And you guys have tried to put and have done a lot of the stuff that in, the, in this uh, culture that we, we've created that that are effective and um i'm glad that that's happened i think you had to do something so you might as well listen to me for a while and then figure it out yourself once you got got and and i want i want to build on what you said here about you know brainstorming and and pulling ideas from the people around you and and you've heard if you listened to this podcast before and you listened to the uh the the one we did on the stable connect app you know, I, I want to know, you know, I asked, I asked everybody, send us ideas that you have for this app that can make it better so that we can serve you better. And, and I'm asking you now the same, you know, if you have an idea of how we can make your experience better with pocket aces racing, other than winning more races and earning more money, because uh, that's as much as we want to, as much as we'd love to control that, that's kind of in the hands of the horses and situations that, that happen on the racetrack, but just the, the other things that what else can we do to to make your experience right. in pocket aces racing your experience as as a as an owner with us as a partner with us uh, a better uh, a more enjoyable more fulfilling experience because that's what we're here for we 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 want we, we want to bring ownership opportunities to as many people as we possibly can and we want to make it as great for all of our partners as we possibly can so please let us know all right. Well, that's that. Alan. We we have. Uh, I think we've got ourselves another two parter here. We, I, I thank you so much for uh, giving us uh, your time tonight and sharing your uh, some of your stories and some of your wisdom. And um, 
I think everybody out there right now is is, is lamenting uh, your experience with tappet situations <laughs> and, uh, and just feels terrible. I, I feel terrible for you every time I hear that story, but it is a remarkable story. And it just, uh, you know, I, I think it's very, it, it illustrates a point that, you know, that you drive home. You, you got to find people that you trust in this business. And, yes. um, you know, I, 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 we, we appreciate you showing your trust in us and, and, and all of our partners out there that have shown their trust in us. And, um, you know, we're going to work every day to continue to, to, to earn it and then we're going to build it. And, um, you know, I, I just can't wait to see, you know, we've been at this now since like 2005, so almost 18 yeah. years, 2005 September is when we bought this, uh, yes. bought our first horse and uh, I cannot wait for the next 18 years to see what it brings. And No, I think it'll be great. And uh, I think you're right in everything you're saying. And it's been a great ride for me. Um, the syndicate world is perfect. The way you do it is the right way. Um, I enjoy it. Uh, we're empowered. Uh, we can kind of get in and out of whatever we want. I even did a dispersal once because I needed to get out for some health reasons, need to cut back, and you helped me with that. Uh, and it worked, and some other people got a chance to buy into some horses they ordinarily wouldn't get a chance to. I'm thrilled to be a part of it, and I'll continue to help in any way I can. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And um, thanks to everybody out there for listening, as always. Uh, you know, continue please subscribe and review us and leave us a review on apple uh, podcasts and on spotify and um, as patty always tell reminds us all as, as we're closing out make good choices this week and we will uh, be back next week